Let's open our Bibles this evening to Luke chapter 10 again and see verse 20 to be reminded of what should cause us to be filled with joy and to spend our lives rejoicing, and that is that our names are written in heaven. Amen. The Lord Jesus, in receiving the seventy as they returned and rejoiced that the devils were subject unto them, told them that rather than rejoicing that the devils were subject to them, they ought to rejoice because their names are written in heaven. The text we have is Luke 10 and verse 20. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. That is a great blessing. It's an unspeakable blessing and something for which we ought to rejoice. Where were their names written? In heaven? In the book of life. Amen. What is that book fully called? The book of life of the Lamb slain. Whose book is it? It's the Lamb's book of life. What is in it? Names. Your names. The names of God's elect. How were the names chosen? By the will of God. By His free will, according to His own purpose and grace. Amen. When were they written there? Before the foundation of the world. Amen. Is the book of Revelation 5 that is in the hand of him that sits in the throne the same as the book of life? Yes, it's the everlasting covenant. And when we look at the promises of what that covenant gives, it's life. And the names of the beneficiaries have to be in the book of the everlasting covenant because you can't have a covenant without the heirs. And we're the heirs of eternal life. What's the price of that book? The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Who can open it? Only our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, what are the benefits that come from having your name in the book of life? And that would take a long time because the book was filled and it was written on the backside also trying to list all those benefits. But let's just think about a few things. Have I taught you in the past that one of the blessings of Jesus Christ's kingdom is that he is the stronger man that delivered us from the strong man. The Lord Jesus delivered us from Satan. The Bible tells us for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What were the works of the devil? He got us to sin, which put us under the claims of divine justice. He knew the consequences for Eve eating the fruit off the tree and then Adam eating it. And that was that the whole human race would be under the just sentence of death. But death was destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ. That he might deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's one of the benefits. We've been delivered from Satan and his power, his kingdom, and the consequences of what he did to our first parents. Eternal life. Look at Psalm 133 with me. One of the shortest psalms, but it ends with one of the greatest promises. Psalm 133. Oh, brethren, we ought to rejoice that our names are written in the book of life. It would change your life if you were to grasp a hold of it and believe it and live it. It would change your life. Psalm 133. All I want is the promise that God made, which is a great blessing, and it's part of why brethren dwell together in unity It's because they're rejoicing together over this promise, the last half of the third verse. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, 
even life forevermore. God commanded a blessing. These I want to live forevermore. What a blessing that is. It's the promise of eternal life. Look at Titus chapter 1. Please turn over to Titus chapter 1, where I want you to see that God commanded eternal life, and He promised eternal life. And we can also see when He promised it. Now, has God ever broken His promise? No. No. He cannot lie. Amen. And He's promised eternal life. Amen. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Amen. God promised eternal life before the world began. He promised it to a specific number of people, and He promised it upon the performance of a specific condition. And that condition is not anything done by the heirs of that everlasting covenant, but it is by the mediator and surety of that covenant the Lord Jesus Christ would die. And so Hebrews chapter 9 tells us, by means of death, the everlasting covenant was put into force. We do believe in salvation by means. Because Hebrews chapter 9 tells us we have to believe in salvation by means. It's the means of death. Because until a testator has died, his last will and testament or his covenant is of no force at all. But Jesus Christ died to put the everlasting covenant into force. And that's how we're saved, brethren. We are saved by a promise and a commandment and a covenant and a will established by God with beneficiaries, those being His elect, that Jesus Christ would die on their behalf and thus put that covenant into force, whereby the promise of eternal life, God cannot lie, and He made that promise before the world began, all these that I have written by name in the book of life shall have eternal life. That is a blessing. That is unspeakable. Amen. Unspeakable. Look at Philippians chapter 3 for another blessing of the book of life. He has delivered us from the kingdom of Satan and darkness. He's promised us eternal life. And look what it says, Philippians 3.21, Who shall change our vile body? Do you know what God the Holy Spirit thinks of the human body? It's a vile body. Who shall change our vile body, our corruptible body, our decaying body, our mortal body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. This is by the almighty power of God. He is going to take our corruptible bodies, and every year that we get older, we all know that we're corrupting, and we ought to be thinking about it, and we ought to look in the mirror and say, the Bible is true. Sin is true. And its consequences are true because I see it. And every one that we lay in a casket and put in the ground, as we touch that cold and clammy flesh that feels so much like clay, we can know that that is a vile body. But He is going to change our vile bodies by His almighty power, whereby He is able to subdue even a vile body unto Himself and change it into a glorious body like the one Jesus Christ has. Brethren, when we get to heaven, we're going to be very different 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that all bodies have different measures of glory, and we are going to have a body that is going to have glory that excels in comparison to this one. That's a, ble- that's a blessing of having our name in the book of life. That is one of the benefits of the everlasting covenant. 
turn it to Revelation 21. Revelation chapter 21. What is the pass to get into heaven? Is it to say, Lord, Lord, I've prophesied in your name. Remember, I was a pastor in Greenville in your name. Is that how you get into heaven? Is it because you're going to say, but I accepted you when I was 13 years old at a Billy Graham crusade? Is that how you're going to get passed into heaven? Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Entrance into heaven is by your name being written in the book of life. That is a benefit. That book will be opened. It will be searched. Your name will be found if you're one of God's elect and you will be given an abundant entrance, the Bible tells us. Not a bare entrance, but an abundant entrance into His everlasting kingdom. These are the benefits of having your name in the book of life. Time would fail me to tell you about your adoption. Could I preach a few minutes on adoption? Amen. Go back and look about a year ago and get the Amen. tapes. Two messages. Excellent. Adoption, atonement, forgiveness, justification, pardon, propitiation, reconciliation, redemption, sanctification, and glorification. Do you want any more? Amen. It's written on the inside and it's written on the backside. Amen. All those blessings justified before God, reconciled, fully pardoned and adopted as his children, sanctified and made perfectly holy, fit for his presence. Unbelievable. The benefits of having your name in the book of life. How important is such a book? So important that the Lord Jesus Christ would say to his chosen ministers, even when you are seeing and feeling and knowing and, and, and feeling the, and the effect of my name and the power of my name in casting out devils, you ought rather to rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. This morning, I gave you some frivolous, foolish things that sometimes distract us and discourage us and depress us, didn't I? Yep. And it's, a, it's pitiful yep. that we would ever be moved by such minor things. Now, the Lord Jesus would say that your name being written in this book is more important than seeing the results of casting out unseen devils out of men by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, by having the finger of God on your ministry where you are delivering men from the power of the strong man. Your name being written in the book of life is greater than that. How much more should our name being written in the book of life be above an email server going down? How much, Amen. you understand how I mean that, brother, and I know you know that. And our back, right. and in a car accident, losing a car, and a job, and a business, and health, and all the things that could possibly be mentioned, and the things that discourage us from time to time, how can they compare and measure? What is wrong with us? I fear. I fear that to the degree we do not find our peace and consolation in our names being in the book of life, we give evidence that our names are not in the book of life. Because if we truly loved and the Spirit of God was within us, He would be testifying to our hearts that we are indeed the children of God and that our name is there, and we would be thankful for that above all else. 
And I hope that when there is a fire, if there is ever one that causes a house to burn down, that someone from a stretcher will say, but my name is in the book of life. And brethren, if I'm in that bed first with the little hose at my nose, I hope to God that my trust and confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ and my glory is only in his cross. And I'm thankful that my name is in the book of life. Because if our confidence is there, can't we lay in that bed peacefully, full of hope? And can't we all come into that room and embrace and look at each other with love in our eyes and know that Christ loved us first and because he loved us first, we love him and that our names are in the book of life? That's the only way to leave this world. Are we ready for that? Our names are in the book of life. How important is it? It is an unspeakable gift. If it's unspeakable, the only one that can give you an understanding of it is God, the Holy Spirit. And I have prayed for that this day, that you will be gripped by the Holy Spirit to love the Lord Jesus Christ more and see more clearly what he has done for us and that your name is in the book of life and that all other things of this life will fade into insignificance. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Do you know that you have a reservation? Do you know that you have something reserved for you? It's because your name is in the book of life. I want you to see your reservation and what's been reserved for you. Now, I know you have an appointment. It's appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. But it, it says in the next verse after that that Jesus Christ is going to appear for all those that love his appearing. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, brethren, here come the, here's the importance and the benefits of this book. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Not only does he have that reservation made for us there, but he's given us faith, and he preserves us by that faith so that we can keep looking toward it, and it keeps us going until that salvation is revealed in the last time. You have an inheritance that's undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. And it comes by the book of life. How can you know that your name is there? How do you know if your name is in the book of life? I see two of you that weren't here this morning. I have a verse for you. It's okay. Don't be worried. The Bible says that in the great day of judgment, we're all going to stand before God, and he's going to open his books. And he's going to judge us out of those books according to all of our works. And if there's any sins in those books... We should go to hell. And it says at the end of that, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15, it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, 15. There's 31,165 verses in the Bible. But that verse used to scare me the most of all the verses in the Bible. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Because I used to think that I had to get my name written in the book of life by something that I did. And I knew that I had done, ever, never done anything worthy of having... This is the way that my mind would put it to me, and some of you have heard this before. I had never done anything 
worthy enough for God to bend over in his holy throne and write my name in his book. I knew that. And so when I read the words, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire, I was sure that I was bound for the lake of fire. But thanks be to God, he doesn't write our names in the book of life because of something we did. He writes our names in the book of life because of something Jesus Christ was going to do and did do for us. So when we read the words, it is finished, they are precious words to us. Because all the work and performance necessary for us to obtain the benefits and blessings of his eternal covenant was secured because Jesus Christ finished the work. So frightened me by that verse. And now I know that my name was written there before the foundation of the world and that he knew about Jonathan Crosby before his parents had names. That's right. His first parents, Adam and Eve. Amen. But we've got to ask, answer the question. How do we know if our names are in the book of life? How do we know? Okay, let's look at a few verses. First John chapter 5, and let's go fast. First John 5, I hope you know the 66 books of the Bible in order so that you know how to turn to these passages. First John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you know the first thing I want to tell you tonight? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You do not believe in order to get born again. You believe because you are born again. But if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in that great day, when that book is opened, your name will be found in the Lamb's book of life. Because no one has ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, whose name is not in the book of life. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is the evidence that the condition, that the, that the results and work of that covenant are already in existence in our life. And so when the book of life is open, we'll be found. Right. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Amen. Do you believe it with your whole heart? Amen. Do you want to live your life according to that premise? Amen. Your name is in the book of life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. We differ from most others in this generation about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ because they look at it as a remedy for a sick man who has no grace in his life. A sinner dead in trespasses and sins is able, according to them, by their free will, to believe on Jesus Christ and as a result of that be born again. We believe that regeneration is one of the blessings of the everlasting covenant. And that because that covenant was put into force by God before the world began, it was planned and ordained before the world began, and Jesus secured it legally at the cross, and then the Spirit applies it vitally, and it's only because of that that we ever believe on Christ. Remember, listen to the words. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. No one has ever called God Father in any believing way that was not already born again by the Spirit of God. So if you believe on Jesus Christ, in that great day your name will be found in the book of life. Romans chapter 10 and verse 11, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And the last sentence of chapter 9, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
And whosoever believeth on him shall not be confounded, is another way the Bible puts it. I want to tell you that in that great day when the book of life is opened, if you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, and you are putting all of your hope and trust in him, that is the evidence that your name is in the book of life, and you will never be ashamed. Do you know what kind of shame it would be for your name not to be read from the book of life? Do you know what kind of confusion would result for you to be standing there and find that your name is not in the book of life? And so do you know what comfort God gives us? Whosoever believeth shall not be ashamed. And whosoever believeth shall not be confounded. Because it is the evidence of eternal life. It is not the condition. This idea that God had no covenant. What kind of will is it where nobody is guaranteed anything? What kind of a promise of eternal life is that? It's nothing. We do not preach that message. We preach a very different message. It is the promise of eternal life and all of the works of grace necessary to get us there, including regeneration. But the first evidence of it is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you young people believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Then why haven't you been baptized? If you believe he's the son of God, then you'll want to get in the waters of baptism and show a burial and a resurrection just like Jesus Christ was buried and rose again from the dead in order to secure our eternal life. Right. So that it is called the Lamb's book of life. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, then you want to do something about it and live according to that statement. I want to tell you something. Remember, and those that were ordained to eternal life believed, Acts 13, 48. John chapter 10 and verse 26, Jesus looked at the unbelieving Jews and he said to them, those Jews that he said, how shall ye escape the damnation of hell? He looked at them and he said, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. The whole world outside these doors wants to preach that if you'll just believe, you can become one of Jesus' little sheep. But Jesus said, you don't believe because you're not of my sheep. He makes his sheep by his everlasting covenant, and because we're sheep, we believe. Now, is that plain or not? The whole world wants to reverse it, like so many other things in the Word of God. If you believe it is the evidence that you're one of God's sheep and your name will be found in the book of life. Brethren, if the gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Those that believe it show that they have eternal life and that they were ordained to it. Look at James chapter 2. James chapter 2 is faith enough. Do we believe in faith only? We do. Listen carefully. and This may be right over the children's heads, but we do believe in faith only. But there's only one way to show the true faith that is necessary in faith only as an evidence, and that is to have works to go along with it. Because faith by itself is dead and proves nothing. The devils have plenty of it, and their names are not in the book of life. James chapter 2 and verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, so do the devils. And have not works, can faith save them? Is faith a sufficient evidence that your name is in the book of life by itself, by the words? It is not enough. You must have works. And the works are acts of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is your Lord and your Savior. Verse 15, if a brother... I don't want verse 15. Verse 17, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Verse 19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. 
But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? No one can preach, believe only, and have the book of James in your Bible. That's why Martin Luther took it out of his Bible and hated it. Is that correct, Brother Jonathan? Yes, it is. We've, we've discovered that and proved it, didn't we? How much he hated the book of James because it says you've got to have works. Because there is no justification proven before God or man without your works. We don't have works in order to become justified or get our names in the book of life. But how can we prove it to ourselves but by, but by being obedient? When your mother asks you to do something that you don't want to do and you obey your mother because God told you to obey your mother, that is a good work. Amen. Because you obeyed her, because God told you to obey her, that is a good work. If you obey her just because if you don't, she is going to beat you, that is not a good work. We're still glad that you obeyed, but that is not a good work because it's got to be done from faith. And that makes a good work evidence that you have eternal life. Do you hate this world? Do you hate the things they put on television? Some of the music, the way they act, disobedient children, wicked men, wicked women. Do you hate this world and you want to live different than this world? And the Bible says, if you overcome, your name will not be taken out of the book of life. You will have eternal life. I'm going to come back to this verse in just a minute. If you're an overcomer against this world, it is proof that your name is in the book of life. Just like Brother Edwards said earlier this evening, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and his faith is born of God, and he overcomes the world. 1 John chapter 5, the first five verses. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? The best passage is 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. How do I know my name is there? By believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and loving Him with that faith and letting that faith work with good works in obedience to Him. You can know that you have eternal life and your name is in the book of life. Second Peter chapter 1. I have gone over this passage many times, but whenever you are doubting your salvation, this is where you want to come, in addition to the other places that I've mentioned. No one has ever believed on Jesus Christ and been ashamed or confounded. Right. And I know your question would be, does that mean everybody that says they believe on Jesus Christ, do they all have their names in the book of life? Oh, no. They don't really believe. They're just giving lip service to it. How do we know that you really believe? You obey what Jesus Christ said to do. So we come to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, list eight things. Let's go ahead and read this. Verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. See, faith is believing that Jesus is the Christ. Here are things that you're supposed to do in addition to faith. This doesn't get your name written in the book of life. This shows that your name is already there. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue is being good. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. Temperance is self-discipline. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. Godliness is acting like God and doing the things God wants you to do. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is treating all your brothers and sisters with kindness and a brotherly kindness charity 
Those eight things. Now watch very carefully. Verse 8. For if these things, that is the eight things that I just read to you, if these eight things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Here's the verses. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. You can make sure that your name is in the book of life. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. If ye do these things, faith, virtue, knowledge, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, temperance, if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you do those things, you're showing that your name is in the book of life and you're going to get a glorious entrance into his everlasting kingdom. Some people accuse us of believing in election. That if we believe in election, then it doesn't matter how you live. Because no matter how you live, you're either elect or you're not elect. Oh, but look what I just taught you. The only way we can know we're elect is to have these things in our lives and to have a lot of them in our lives. And that's the only way we can make our election sure. We have the strongest motive for good works. And yet, salvation is all by the grace of God because the good works are only to confirm it to our own conscience. Isn't that precious? Is that wisdom? Is that wisdom? The highest motive for living an obedient life, and yet salvation is entirely by the grace of God. And do you know what we're accused of? They say that it is impossible to reconcile the sovereignty and grace of God with the responsibility of man. Did I just reconcile it for you rather plainly? It's all of grace, and yet our confidence is in our works. Our confidence of knowing that our name is in the book of life is because of our works that make that sure, even though we're resting completely on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Look what the Apostle Paul said to you, my older brethren, Philippians chapter 3. He said, I'm willing to count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And he goes on and on and on. And he says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. That's right. He kept laboring for that Lord Jesus Christ, doing everything by faith, which was evidence that he was one of God's elect, but he wanted to make sure he'd be in the resurrection. Oh, there's more that can be said, but I want to leave those things with you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. No one has ever believed that Jesus Christ is their only hope of salvation and then obeyed because of him that's ever been turned away. Can't happen. Do you know how it can't happen? Because only the sheep of Jesus Christ can ever believe on him. Can the names be blotted out? Absolutely not. How in the world could a name be blotted out? That means God lied. That means God put your name in there and promised to you personally that you would have eternal life, and then he takes your name out. Listen, your father may do that in his will because someday you parked a car the wrong way in the driveway, and so he changed the... I said it that way just to show you that earthly men can have a whimsical mind about their last wills and testaments, but not so with God. Not so with God. If he has written the blessings of his covenant and he's putting your name in there as a beneficiary of that covenant, your name will not be blotted out. And that would take a sermon in itself. But I want to show you a couple places. Look at Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. 
Can the names be blotted out of the book of life? You could more easily overthrow the seasons than you could get the names blotted out of the book of life. Can I show that to you in the Bible? Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 20. Thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, and that there should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne, and with the Levites the priests my ministers. And it goes on in this passage describing the terms of the everlasting covenant. And brethren, you say, but it's talking about David and his son. That's right. That's the seed. And if, you're, and if you believe on Christ, then you're the seed of David. You are David's seed and his son and in him. It's often singular because it's all wrapped up in Christ. But I want you to notice, can a name be blotted out so that a person is lost from God's covenant? Not a chance. What God says is, as soon as you can stop there being a day tomorrow and a night tonight, then maybe you could lose your name from the book of life. Is night coming on in the next few hours? Is that sun going to go down and it's going to get dark? Then stop it. Keep the sun shining all night and make the day tomorrow nighttime. Can you do that? Then you can't have your name taken out of the book of life. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Did anybody get lost in there from God foreknowing them to them being glorified in the end? If we say, for whom he did foreknow, he knew you. He put your name in the book of life before the world began. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate that means to guarantee your final destination moreover whom he did predestinate then he called that is your regeneration and whom he regenerated then he also justified and whom he justified then he also glorified every single person that god knew and put their names in the book of life ends up glorified there's no one lost no one is lost jesus said i came down from heaven not to do my own will and this is the father's will which has sent me but of all which he hath given me i should lose nothing Jesus will not lose a single one. That's why he's such a great Savior. Not a single one. Everyone that Jesus Christ died for, their names are in the book of life and will forever be in the book of life. They'll never be taken out. Look at Psalm 89. Psalm 89. No, the names cannot be blotted out. That would be God going back on His Word and His promise because before the world began, He promised you eternal life in your name and it's in writing. You say, what was it signed with? Do you really want to know? The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 89, listen, brethren, He knows how weak we are. He knows that sometimes our hearts doubt. He knows that sometimes we fear. He has not made it all that difficult for us to lay hold of the refuge that he's made for us. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? He'll never lie to you. He'll never deceive you. Psalm 89, verse 30. If his children forsake my law. This is you and me. Our names are in the book of life, and we're afraid that maybe God is going to blot them out when we sin. If his children forsake my law 
and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then I will take their names out of the book of life. Does it say that? Nope. Come on, look at your Bibles. Verse 32. Then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Jesus Christ will come after us and discipline us as a loving father. He is the everlasting father, and he will discipline us with the rod and with stripes. But look at verse 33. Nevertheless, though I have to discipline you for what you did in your sins, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever. Now, is that enough consolation for you? That is one of the best passages in the Bible to go to when you've sinned and you've wondered if maybe you've been blotted out of the book of life. If you sin, He'll chasten you. But remember that chastening is love. He chastens those that He loves. But He says, I will not take my kindness away. I can't change or alter what has gone out of my mouth. My promise was made before the world began. And it was made to us with our names. And it was made in writing, and it was sealed with the blood of the everlasting covenant. How more secure could it possibly be? He said he swore by his holiness. Do you know what that means to the living God? Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. He swore by the virtue of the beauty of his nature, his holiness. It's precious. Your name cannot be blotted out of the book of life. Now, when we study the Bible, the simplest way to study the Bible, when you look at any verse in the Bible, it's two-step approach. Do you want to know how to study your Bible? This is the way. Two steps. The first step, we are commanded to make this the first step. Prove what a verse does not mean by the rest of Scripture. Right. That is, we're going to learn this verse in just a few weeks. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. There is no verse in the Bible that can be pulled out and say anything different than the rest of the Bible. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Private interpretation means some separate individual or unique interpretation that changes what the rest of the Bible says. It's impossible. So the first thing we do is what a verse cannot mean, and then we look for what it might possibly mean as its positive explanation or what it ought to mean in order to fit with the rest of Scripture. Quickly look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5. Here's a verse that troubles people sometimes, but it shouldn't be trouble. If you need to, then write beside this verse, Psalm 89, verses 30 through 37, and just go back over and memorize Psalm 89, that his loving kindness he will not take away. He will not alter the thing that has gone out of his mouth. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels." Some people read Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, and they say, see, it shows that God blot some names out of the book of life. Now, brethren, it doesn't say that. It says he'll not blot their names out of the book of life. Now, how can you take his words, he will not blot names out of the book of life, and say that he will blot names out? Now, that is perverting scripture. I will not blot. You say, well, why does he use terminology like that? Because what I've already told you, earthly men often change their wills. 
And he is promising the surety and assurance of his everlasting covenant that it will never change. And so that if you cast yourself upon Christ and you live an overcoming life by giving up the things of this world for Jesus Christ, there is absolute certainty that your name will be in the book of life when you arrive before him. It's to encourage you to live an overcoming life because he does not blot names out of the book of life. It's to encourage you. And some people go to that verse because Satan wants to cast a doubt into their hearts to cause them to disbelieve. The absolute confidence that they can have in Christ Jesus, Satan brings that doubt from Revelation 3, 5 because the statement is, he will not blot. Revelation 22. Revelation 22. You say, are you absolutely certain that's the way that we ought to understand Revelation 3, 5? Absolutely, absolutely certain, certain. Amen. It's easy. 2 Peter 1, 20. If, it, if we looked at that verse meaning anything else, then it would violate the rest of the 31,164 verses. And the explanation I just gave you is perfect agreement with its grammar and what it says. He will not blot the names out. We're dealing with the most important subject, aren't we? We want to make, we want to make sure of this. Amen. Because if he blots names out, we want to make sure that we don't do whatever is done that gets names blotted out, right? Right. Amen. Well, what can be done that would get your name blotted out when he said that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Right. What can you possibly do when it says that he has put away all our sins forever? Revelation 22, verse 19, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Do you think you've ever done something like plagiarizing or destroying or corrupting the book of Revelation of the word of God and therefore your part could be taken out of the book of life? It says that if any man shall take away from the words the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Can any one of God's elect be lost? Absolutely not. There shouldn't be a doubt in your mind about that. Then what in the world could this verse be saying? This is what it's saying. Which men have corrupted the book of Revelation and the rest of the word of God? Pagan infidels or professing believers? Pagan infidels don't know there's a Bible and they don't mess with it. Professing believers. Professing believers. False professors are the ones that have corrupted the word of God. What do false professors think about themselves? Their name is in the book of life, and they have eternal life waiting for them. And guess what God's going to do in that great day of judgment? He is going to take away all that they thought they had. Right. Does the Bible ever use words like that? Mm-hmm. To him that hath not shall be given, and to him that seemeth to have shall be taken away even that which he thinketh he hath. Amen. Isaiah 66 and verse 5, which we don't have time to go there, but I read it to you just a couple of weeks ago. It says that those who cast you out of their presence said, let the Lord be magnified as they cast you out of their presence. And do you know what the Lord said? That when he appears, he'll appear to your rejoicing and to their shame. But yet they were the ones that were professing to believe and doing it in the name of God. These are professing believers who take the name of Christ. Remember, 
It's, me- it's mystery Babylon, the great harlot, the mother of harlots, the great whore. The mystery is she was a Christian church. She was a Christian church that thinks they're all in heaven, that thinks that heaven is guaranteed to them, and they're the ones that corrupt the word of God, and God will take away what they think they have in the book of life. That is the explanation for Revelation twenty-two nineteen. Right. What they think they have. No one has ever lost their name from the book of life. Impossible. Is there a cause for rejoicing? Amen. Jesus said, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice. We ought to be able to rejoice because our names are written in heaven. I hope that as a result of the teaching of this weekend, when we see each other from time to time, we will rejoice with one another because our names are written in heaven. And even though circumstances might be looking down sometimes, we'll be able to look at each other and embrace and say, but our names are written in heaven. Because with our names in heaven, does it really matter about our circumstances here? Do you know how the martyrs were able to die? Because they knew their names were written in heaven. It did not matter to them to stand at a post, sometimes unchained, and stand there and let the flames devour their bodies. Do you know how hot it would be? Do you know how much it would hurt to be burned to death? And they would stand in it and they would sing songs of deliverance from Jesus Christ because they knew their names were in the book of life. Oh, brethren... God forbid that we should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that our names are written in heaven. One final verse, and with this I close. I just want you to see a few words from it. It's Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Oh, let us rejoice that our names are written in heaven, that Jesus Christ has absolutely secured everlasting life for us. Look what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. Look what he writes. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ. If, is our brother playing with us? Is the Holy Spirit playing with us? If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ. Is there any consolation? Amen. Amen. There's consolation. Is there any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies? There's tons of it. If there be any consolation in Christ, there's lots of consolation in Christ. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Love one another, be of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Let's humble ourselves with the same spirit that the Lord Jesus Christ had and love one another. Our names are in the book of life. Brethren, Because we're all in this assembly, and because we believe that salvation is by grace alone, does not mean that all our names are in the book of life. We all need to give diligence to make our calling and election sure. We all individually must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in a way that brings forth fruits of good works. And we need to give diligence to our own souls. And we as fathers need to press our wives and our children to give diligence to their own souls that we might know that we have eternal life 
and that we might believe even further on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. I can say with the apostle that looking at most of your lives, I know that your names are written in heaven. But let's prove it, brethren. And let's live with the joy that ought to flow from it. Right. Because there's great consolation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.